You were not designed to be average. Average. You were designed for greatness. Greatness. This is My Average Greatness. We'll interview people who are doing amazingly great things and listen to their unique stories of greatness. Get ready to be inspired. Broadcasting around the globe. Around the globe. This is My Average Greatness, and this is Kevin Bartlett. Please welcome to My Average Greatness, Nick DiNardo. What's up, Nick? Kevin, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. Totally, man. Just living the dream over here. I hope you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Two <laughs> kids running around trying to make it work, right? Oh, man. What a joy. It is a fun time. So you have, you've got two kids as well, Nick? Yeah, I've got a four-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl in the house. Nice. So what one do you like better? Oh my God, so much easier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got a favorite? So much easier with the girl. Right now, currently, she's my favorite because she's easier, but who knows? That'll change over time. I know. In our house, it's kind of a running joke. It's somewhat of a competitive <laughs> household where at the end of the day, we give our kids first or second place. So um, between, between right. our two, I don't know if that's the best parenting move or not, um, but uh, we, we try to keep things competitive and it's, it's based on behavior. <laughs> Changes day by day and sometimes hour by hour. So. That's true. So true. Well, hey, Nick, I'd love to kind of kick off uh, my average greatness is by how I know the person that we're speaking to and give quick, quick recollection of how I remember it and then yeah. let you give some feedback on, on how you remember us connecting. And quite frankly, it's more on a, like a vague. I just know that we knew each other as opposed to like an individual moment. So Nick and I, Grew up in the same hometown, went to high school together, and we played on the same high school football team. And I, I remember Nick just being a bull. He was a big boy that could run through people and hit people really hard. And I was really glad that he was on our team. And uh, we had an awesome team, pretty cohesive unit. And, you know, Nick was a major part of that. And I just remember those, those hours and nights and games that we spent together playing, playing high school football. And that's, that's what I remember too. I mean, you were our, you were our captain when I was a you know, I was a year behind you. Um, you guys were just, I mean, state champs, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, cohort that you had, you know, with Jared and just some, some amazing athletes. And I just remember looking up to you as, you know, uh, just a, a leader uh, by example and somebody that, that I always tried to, tried to shape my own leadership style um, with. So, um, you know, thanks for Thanks for being an early leader to me. You probably didn't even know that, but uh, somebody I looked up, up to very early on for sure. I did not. No, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, quite frankly, I wasn't talented enough to be the captain of the team. So I was kind of shocked when I was voted, voted in that position. And I know you followed suit and you, know, you, you not only had the leadership capabilities, but also, also this, the talent to go along with it. Well, I, uh, I felt the same way, actually. It was, you know, you look at what I, I was always one of those... Um, types of people that, that wants to, wants to do their part. And I, I, I never thought that I um, was better or worse than I was. I wanted to make sure that I fit a specific role on our team. And I felt like you did that for the year above me. And I wanted to do that for our, for our year and kind of set the tone that way. We had certainly the, the people who were talented, um, who are 
taking other leadership roles like Pat McGowan and Jerome and all that stuff, but I could kind of fit this different, different kind of peer mentor niche. And uh, I thought you did that really well for us. Oh, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. I, one of, one of the moments I, I never will forget from uh, high school football was there was a time coach Sullivan was playing a lot of the underclassmen when we were winning by a lot and a lot of the seniors and, you know, my peers, cause I felt like I was a man of the people, if you will, they were kind of getting overlooked at, other people were getting some playing time to create depth for the, for the future. And I got it. And I remember having to sit down with, with Coach Shulv and, and fighting for our guys and our other seniors to, to get the playing time as just kind of being the, the end of our line. And, and I'll never remember, I, you know, Gus, how many times he thanked me for that and getting on the field and, and how much fun we all had together. So, uh, again, men, men of the people uh, filling our role. <laughs> That's it. It's, and it's important. I mean, think about – I'm curious to see what – what that experience and moment did for you and just kind of shaping your overall mentality towards what you're doing as a father and, and in your career now too. Cause for me, it's, it's been invaluable. That was like the key, the key, the key years for me and kind of shaping who I am. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, ironically, I don't like look back on my glory days. Uh, I'm like, man, you know, talking about, you know, what is it? Al Bundy, Polkive, four touchdowns or whatever it was in a single game. Like I don't really think back on it frequently, but the times that I do like the formidable moments that are started as I was young and I maybe have continued to grow and evolve and don't always look back. But every time I do like, you know, the things that we learn there from the preparation of our coaches and paying attention to details um, started at a young age and, and honestly the tasting of winning um, the fun is in the winning Dabo Sweeney always says and we, you know we were fortunate we didn't lose much so when, when you finally do taste losing it sucks um, so I, I thank them for like teaching me how fun it is to win agreed so one unique time yeah man absolutely so my average greatness is, as you know started 2019 uh, blood clots was in the hospital in this for me was an opportunity for me to leave a recording for my kids and talk to people that have been in my life, influenced my life that I look up to as, as kids listen to other people more than they listen to their parents and also give people like yourself an additional platform to, to share your message. So I love to ask everybody with the title, My Average Greatness, what does greatness mean to you? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot and um if you asked me this 10 years ago, there's no way I would have any sort of cohesive answer to it. Um, I think greatness to me is understanding a lot of, a lot of what we just discussed, which is um, what, what do I believe is my biggest value add for society, for my kids, for my wife, for my work. Um, And greatness is fulfilling that to the utmost. Um, And I've, I struggled for a long time in trying to figure out um, who I was and what that value actually is. Um, but, uh, I, you know, to, to me, I, th- I think that's less important. I think it's just about making sure that you are working towards those goals and have a genuine care and self-awareness for the role that you play in those other people's lives. And, driving as hard as you possibly can to, to do that with empathy, with passion and with, with grit. So that's, that's how I define it. I don't know if that's clear or not, but that's just always kind of, you know, over the last probably three or four years has just kind of grounded me in, um, you know, a lot of the external stuff that, that you can't control. 
You're uh, totally on board with that. And the great thing with that question is there's no right, there's no wrong answer. So to each person, greatness can and should mean something to everybody that means something to you. It doesn't have to make sense to other people, but yeah. it does make sense. <laughs> and I think, I think like the question's so good because um, so many times I'm sure people grab at what other people's definitions of greatness are. You know, you listen to when you're, curious and somebody who strives for for high performance you're always listening to podcasts you're reading and you're grabbing on to other people's stories and you're like okay i want that i want this but then it's not until you kind of distill it down and make it your own that you can finally determine what that means for you and that's the struggle early on um and and when you finally are able to to define that for yourself it's just i mean it just opens your eyes in a different way yeah, no, you're right. And it's that self-reflection. And when it becomes personal, it then it becomes personal. <laughs> and, and I feel like a lot of people like with their daily lives, we try to live up to, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, comparing and contrasting. And, you know, even like a, a sales job that both of us are in, you know, our goals and quotas are set for us by other people based on their expectations. And so a lot of times we have to live up to other people's expectations and that's just part of life. And that's, that's how it is, but not until we can kind of self-reflect and look internally and what's important to us and, and what are our goals that we set for ourselves? Can we measure us being, you know, great greatness or successful, however you want to call it. That's it. And that's how you show up to customers. That's how you show up to your, you know, to your sales leaders, your family. So it, it really does come through and differentiates you too when you're able to do it. So it kind of ties onto that you know, the, the greatness question to you, but like, if you were at the, the end of, end of your rope, 90 years old, looking back on your life, what would a successful life lived look like for Nick DiNardo? Um, you know, if there's one thing that I would hope people would say when they were around my gravestone, it would probably be Nick was, uh, Nick, Nick really cared about others. Nick really, um, wanted to make sure that everyone else was okay. I think I, um, I got that from my dad. Um, and I, sometimes that can be a detriment to, to me and my own, uh, physical and mental health. Cause I'm trying to make sure everybody else is okay. Um, but I just, um, I just always saw how much joy that brought my father and it bring it truly brings me joy too, to make sure that everyone else is, is doing well. Um, so I, th- that's what I would strive for is just Nick really cared about it, about others. And that came through in my actions. That's so perfect. Um, and from what I know of you, you're doing a hell of a job, man. Thanks, man. You too. You too. So talking today, what what do you think, what would you like the most relevant message? And and maybe it just ties to, you know, caring about others and tying that all in, but like, what would you like your message to be today? Like we always like to, Hey, we're going to tell you what you're going to tell you. We're going to tell you, then we're going to tell you what you told you. Um, today, what, what would you like to message? Would you like to get out? Um, I think the timing is really interesting because I mean, we're live, we're six months now into, into these new uncertain COVID times. Right. And that brings all of us 
not not only nationally but globally into this uncertain world that is full of adversity, right? And um, I think my message would be uh, adversity creates opportunity for those who have the ability to kind of prepare and see how how that adversary is going to potentially benefit them or spin it to, to be able to benefit them. And I, you know, I wrote a book five years ago now about this, as I was like struggling to figure out what this meant for me as I was, it was almost like a therapeutic thing to try and figure out what happened previously in my life and how that's defined who I am and figuring out what your question was at, at first, which is like, you know, who is Nick and what is the value that Nick can provide to the people that I care about around me. So I just think that um, that sort of work was, was huge for me just figuring out who I was. I, I hope, hopefully I'm now showing up better for everybody else because of it, but too often we don't, we're moving so quickly in this world and, you know, even go, going back to when we were, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, we never get taught to like ground ourselves in this, in these growth mindset, core values type thoughts. Right. It's like, if we could fundamentally do that early on, I think we'd be much better off for these sorts of circumstances, but now you've got to almost like reactively try and level set, or you're going to deal with some mental health uh, issues because of it, because it's just so overwhelming. So I would say that my theme for, for this session would be, you know, the adversity that, that we see is is an opportunity um, waiting waiting to be uncovered. So speaking of that, the, the book that you wrote was The Game of Adversity. And was that fundamentally just started you just kind of jotting down and, and trying to learn about yourself, like in, in understanding the adversity that you had come through? Or, or how did you land on that title and, and it literally the was. from starting to, to finish? It literally was. I, um, I, 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 uh, I was really struggling in my twenties to, um, to just, I, I was reaching at things. I was somebody who, um, constantly wanted to strive for success. And I thought success at that point was, uh, making as much money as I possibly could and, um, having people pat me on the back and, um, you know, just, just emotional roller coasters, positive, negative kind of emotions constantly, right. Just feeling like I was, uh, you know, just adding value in, in a bunch of different ways. And I remember having a conversation with my dad. Um, and he, he asked me what some of my goals were. And I just said, my goal, this was, all, it was early twenties. I was like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, that is the worst goal I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, because once you make $100,000, you're going to then turn around and say, I want to make $150,000, $200,000. And when you, when you make two hundred, dollars then you're going you, to, there's, there's no satisfaction in that goal because you're just going to keep pushing, pushing that goal out. And I, I always remembered that. It was simple. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I didn't know how to like redefine what the goals were. You know, I just didn't have, um, I didn't have the education to kind of figure out how do I ground myself in this stuff. So then I started digging into like positive psychology, uh, neuroscience, and I started to dig into that and then trying to apply it to my own situation. And then I started to really dig into, it was almost like a self like psychotherapy session almost <laughs> where 
then I started going back into, okay, when I was six or seven, some of the things that happened in my life. And when I was able to kind of ground myself in that, then I was really able to kind of start accelerating my, my thinking around it. I'm happy to go into that story too. If, if yeah, you please, please. Yeah. So when I was seven, um, you know, my family had, uh, have I ever told you the story before? I can't even remember if I have. It depends. I, I got to hear the story first. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so when I was seven, so we lived in uh, on Farm Hill Road in North Attleboro. It was like one of these new developments. And my dad had built a house and uh, he owned his own garage door business and, um, you know, had a younger brother, four years old. It was like one of these perfect kind of middle-class upbringings, right? There's no, no concerns. And um, everything was phenomenal. But within like days that flipped on its head when my mother had her first, what I thought was her first, it was actually her second bipolar episode. She ended up in a, a mental hospital. Um, my father, um, my father uh, had sold his business and then had lost all of his money or spent all of his money. Still don't know that, that exact detail, but we lost the car. We lost the house. Um, and then transition within months when my mom actually got out of the mental hospital we ended up in this like well i wouldn't say it was a halfway house but we ended up in this um this house in adabron and um, it was this this house that had uh, 15 16 different families in it with a shared shared kitchen and i remember going down to the kitchen my mom was making eggs and i'm like this was months after the my original thought of hey we've got a, a you know perfect situation here and now all of a sudden we're in a shared kitchen and there's other families around and uh, I, I just couldn't like, I couldn't, um, put together what this gap was I'm like, wait, how did we end up here? What sure. is, what does this mean? And I'm seven trying to like, think this stuff through. And, um, I remember that just coming out in for, from the time I was seven to 18, you know, I, I was certainly grounded and, and had the, um, I had the uh, the luck of having a great family around around me and support system to kind of help lift lift me up and make sure that I, I you know I wasn't in too bad of a spot for sure. But um, I just remember it 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 coming out in anger, in jealousy, in frustration about how does this happen to a family that seems to be doing all the right things, um, and now this is where we are. And I started to kind of ask myself or strive to find stories of people who had dealt with struggle and then had come out on the other end of it. And I turned to sports. So I turned to, you know, the Barry Sanders of the world and, uh, you know, just like really character driven ethical models of people who have been successful, but weren't braggadocious where, you know, would hand the ball to the ref after a touchdown, um, that sort of stuff. And I started gravitating towards that. That's the type of person I wanted to be, the type of player I wanted to be, type of leader. And, um, you know, fast forward then into my mid twenties, my late twenties. And then I was starting to figure out what that, what that meant. How did that translate into my emotional state? How did that translate into the things and the behaviors and the routines that I had developed and then it turned into the book, which, you know, essentially is broken down into eight different um, principles that, um, that I use that have, that have helped kind of me um, use adversity as, as opportunity. And uh, I kind of break them down and use sports as, as a Trojan horse to help people understand those. 
Real quick, and it doesn't have to be real quick, but uh, what are those eight principles? So if somebody's listening, how, how, sure. Obviously, we want them to read the book, but like Cliff Notes, what would be those? How would we break those down? Yeah. So I would say the foundational, if you think about it, there's almost like a triangle um, with the most important piece being the foundation, that would be growth mindset. So you, you have Carol Dweck. This is, goes back to Carol Dweck's, Dweck's work at Stanford, um, growth mindsets and fixed mindsets. How do you cultivate a growth mindset in the, as a foundational element? Some people have this inherent. Some people have to work at, at developing it and, and using it and, and driving it as a muscle. And then the second piece that's very important is process versus outcome. In my opinion, some people have an overall reliance on goal setting um, and do not invest in kind of the micro goals and the process steps to actually get to certain areas and just appreciation of the process. And the third thing would be a focus on what we can control. And this came from a lot of Ryan Holiday's work with stoicism um, about just external factors having an influence on our behaviors Whereas if you can focus on the inside out, then you're just going to be much happier, much more in control, um, much more able to focus on, on what's important. The fourth would be self-awareness, being able to take a, an inventory and a gap analysis of, of who you are, what's around you, and then how to uh, you know, do that gap analysis again and, and, uh, and, and uh, do better. Focusing on goals that are bigger than you, so having a purpose. Um, the, the, you know, another another thing would, would definitely be about appreciating adversity, not just um, not just your own adversity. I think we get too focused, like you said, about kind of compare and contrast with others, but also looking at um, use cases outside of your own um, you know area of focus. So that could be um, Vince Lombardi. That could be uh, 9-11, that could be any external circumstance and kind of doing a, an analysis of, of what that is and, and using it for your own for your own purposes. The seventh would be uh, preparation, the keys to pe- preparation. And, and the eighth thing would be gratitude and being positive. So those are the, those are the eight key things that, that I try and break down in the book. Dude, that's awesome. The way that it's broken down makes a lot of sense to a lot of things, maybe a lot of people are doing, but putting some structure around it. Yeah. Um, and so for somebody reading the book, what would be like, what would be your expectations or your, your goal of somebody reading it? Would it be to help better align their goal, to understand their adversity, to create the growth mindset, to again, be like one of the, the tools in their tool belt to help them through, you know, this journey of life. Like what, what would be the ultimate goal of a, a reader? Yeah, I think um, anybody who's writing books is really trying to um, write for, for one person and that's themselves. Um, so I, I literally wrote the book. And if you're doing anything else, it's just, you know, it's more for ego than anything. But this for me was just, like I said, therapeutic. Um, so if, if I, if there's one thing I want, I would want somebody to take away from the book. It's, it's for anybody who is struggling to make sense of their own reality. Um, and to kind of look, look inward as to, uh, potentially like, uh, a more depth into who they are and why things happened and asking the right questions. Hopefully this gives them, uh, comfort and, 
they're not alone in this. And there's a potential process to start to figure this stuff out. Um, and it's not overwhelming. Like you said, all of these things people have talked about and I've taken them from, from others. And it's, I think it's just about trying to uh, distill, distill, it down, distill it down and contextualize it and then put some action to it. So in the book at the end, I say, Hey, you know, with, with principle number one growth mindset, this is a, this is a, an action step that you could take with this with process versus, versus outcome. This is a, this is an action step that you could take with this. So I try and uh, make it prescriptive. It's not a long book. It's not an in-depth book, but I think it's just about trying to get people to, um, to put some detail around it. That's fantastic. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go ahead on record and admit, like I knew you had the book, I haven't read it yet. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and add that to my, my list of things to do because it aligns right on my journey, man. <laughs> it's all, it's all good. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, when I, when I talk about like some of the things that are just important to me, it's just, um, it always kind of comes down to that. And just like you're doing with the podcast, um, the book was about, um, was about putting something down on paper that I can give to my kids or that they can find, you know, an old, an old version of the book in my office somewhere and they can pick it Blow up off the dust. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is what dad, this is what dad believes in or believed yeah. in at the time, which is just so important. I mean, having that sort of record um, through time um, is just going to be so beneficial to your kids. You know, speaking of the kids. So like I have like a quarterly planner and, you know, whether they'll ever know this, hopefully they listen to it. But one of the things that I write down in terms of like uh, uh, my goals and maybe it's my greatness, but like I write down and I force myself to write it every quarter to keep it fresh and, and look at it and read at it. But it's, you know, again, it all, all goes back to like doing this for, for myself, not necessarily anybody who's tuning in and listening, but I hope people get value from it. Um, and for my kids one day to listen, but my, my goal that I write down every, every quarter is, my goal as a father is to provide my children with the ability to believe in themselves, challenge themselves, love themselves for who they are and who they will become by preparing them with the tools, the knowledge, and by setting an example for them to be mentally strong, self-aware, and compassionate. Oof. And like, and I'm not a good writer, so you can only imagine how long that took me to put, actually, believe it or not, that took like two minutes to write um, just because it's, it's just true and raw. And, and a lot of it's, through this journey of like who I am and like how, like how I wanted to still, I don't Raja who was on last week talking about like supporting his kids, no matter what they do, they don't have to follow in his footsteps and might not even be something that he agrees with, but letting them live their journey and being a parent and setting a good example. And ever since these little kids have come into this world, that's literally been my, my mission is like, you know, I don't care they're gay, they're straight, what industry they go in from a career perspective, what political affiliation they have with. It's them and their life. And it's, it's my, my job to hopefully just give them tools to be the best of whoever they choose to be. I love that. The question for you, did you sit down with your wife to co-develop that or is she bought into to that, uh, that approach as well? I'm just curious how you work together with her on that uh truthful answer no um <laughs> i think we we've had our conversations but we haven't put them together in terms of words that's just my reminder of myself and my actions yeah um as we we're definitely on the same page in terms of like parenting 
Um, but we haven't put like our thoughts and our goals um, of self-parenting together. Or go we're the, same, we're the same way. Yeah. I, I just always think about, you know. But now that you say it, I should. Yeah. <laughs> so Nicole, I, if you're listening to this, this is what I've written down. We're going to look at tonight. So but it's funny. I put together, I just, I had put together just like a list of like the adversity manifesto. And I like wrote down all these things. It's essentially like my core values document. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, Sarah, here's this document I put together, blah, blah. And then it occurred to me. I'm like, Oh, I should probably like get her. Like <laughs> want to co-create this with me yeah, yeah. Put it on the wall. Like instead of me just putting it together, you know, just get so absorbed. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, totally. Um, no, I, I'm glad you said that. That's going to give me something to do tonight. So look out, Nicole. We got homework, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I love everything you talk about. One, you started a podcast coming from your book as well. And I was listening to one of the episodes, and I can't remember if he was like a, I believe he was like a sports psychologist. He was talking about how like greatness comes from deep, utter adversity in points of people's lives that can either break them or absolutely make them blow through the moon with dedication and talent where they're singularly focused. And yeah. remember him saying like, part of me wishes I had a, an op- moment of my life that caused me to have that because I feel like I might not ever reach my true potential of gr- like greatness and overachieving. But at the same time, I don't wish that upon myself to have to go through. Hundred percent, and it was it was really interesting because a lot of times people talk may or may not take a victim mentality, and it goes back to you know focusing on what you can control, and it's not necessarily what you're put into, but how you respond to it. Because you can control the response, you can't control what happens to you, and and people make that choice. And again, there's so many people going through so many scenarios. I don't want to paint this in a bad area or if somebody hasn't made a choice to do something. I don't want to speak to everybody, but from a generalization, you have the choice of how you can control. And I say that there's people that have lost their legs, people that have been blown up in war and they choose to have a smile on their face and go through it um, and live their life the way that they choose because they can control that. And I always admire that. Tell me a little bit about yourself of like, something that you've had to go through and I know you've, you've lost your father recently and how you've maybe chose to take control of how you ch- react to a s- situation, whether it be your dad recently passing or, or something else. Oh, um, there's so many examples of that. There's, you know, I ruptured my patella tendon in college when I was playing ball going into my senior year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily had the tools at that point to, to deal with it. And then my dad passed 2009. Um, but I think the most recent one was when I decided to leave my job, I had kind of this, I reached that hundred K plateau, right? I'm like, yeah, like I, I did it making a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and, uh, I had this like yearning again, like just, I, am I actually doing what I need to do? Like, am I actually successful? All this stuff. And I, I was like, I've got to, I got to start my own business. Like, and so I started the business with a, with a partner and left my my cushy job. And this was like 2011, 12. And we started out, we got our first client very quickly. It kind of gave us a false sense of, of confidence. And, um, 
it just ended up within six months, we knew that we just did not have a business here. It just wasn't a business. It was a, it was a nice to have, and it, you know, it just, uh, sales cycles too long. It just wasn't a business. And within a year we had to close up shop. And I, I remember I took out all my money in my 401k. Um, you know, I had foregone probably a couple hundred grand and just benefits, the retirement savings and just what I could, what I had my salary and just in in savings in general. And uh, I blew it. I thought I was like, I blew it. But then at the same time, I was like, wow, this is like a real world MBA. You know, it's like, this is, so I just spent a couple hundred thousand dollars and I just learned way more than if I actually went back and read a book about somebody else making the same mistake. So for me, I just, it just completely turned me around. And it also started getting me into all of this research about adversity and neuroscience and and brain plasticity and some of the things that I just needed to like consume. Um, And then that started me down the podcast path. And, you know, I had a little bit of time to write and uh, all of a sudden, and here we are. So it's like, if if we didn't if if that didn't happen, um, who knows where I would have been? But it's just made me a better person to have gone through it. Dude, that's crazy. So I know we talk about like that control and controlling the controllables, but it's also not ignoring like wow, this sucks, right? Yeah. I'm sure you went through those days, maybe even months and moments. Definitely. Um, like, was there like a singular moment that? through that of like, what was me? Like that made that click? Like, okay, I got to go figure this out. Like, why did this happen? Why do I feel this way? Like what click to then start put, put you in an overdrive to get into that research and, and turn things around. Man, I don't know if it was a specific moment or not, but um, I think I have like some sort of adaptation cause I can't dwell in the negative. Like even today, like in sales, like, you know, you're getting, you, know, you have deals that move forward. You think they're about to close and boom, all of a sudden, like something throws it off and it, you know, a competitor comes in and underbids you and all of a sudden you lost the deal. And like, I can't, I literally, my brain just does not allow me to focus on that. It's like, we've got to focus on the three things that are good. Um, and I think that's just an adaptation from like the, trauma from, from when I was younger. And I wonder if you, if you're, if you, if your brain kind of works similarly, but like I, I, that's what happened. So when I got to a certain point when I was pretty anxious and depressed about what, what I, what decisions I had made and I was dating my wife and we were, you know, we were getting engaged. Like there's just a lot of stuff. And I just decided to kind of sit down and ground myself. And I, 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 you know, I started to, to do some morning pages and I, you know, I just started writing down, Hey, what are the things that you can be appreciative of? And that started to just get me thinking, okay, like it's really not the end of the world. I still have a lot of underlying skill sets. I have relationships that I've built over time. Maybe I start to, you know, engage those. There's some interests that I have. So, um, I think that's, that's what got me. That's what got me out of it. And it's like partly that that's the role that I've, that I've had in my family. My brother tends toward, depression, you know, my, my mom's got mental health issues. Um, so I just always had to be that rock. So I think I've, I, I had to adapt to, to do that for myself. Is that now something that comes naturally or is that, is that hard for you to do or is it now in 
you know, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is like, that's always been your role, but do you sometimes wish that wasn't your role or are you like fully embrace and all in on that being who you are? <laughs> great. That's a great question. I, I do love the role. Um, I love being, I love being the rock. Um, but it's, it's really overwhelming sometimes. Like there are plenty of times where I wish like, why can't, why can't my brother have a, a stable job or have a positive attitude? So I don't have to, you know, uh, try and pick him up and lift him up and worry about him. And then same thing with my mother. Yes. hundred percent. I think about that all the time. Um, but I do, I do relish the role, um, being that for my, for my wife. And, um, I wonder if it's just subconsciously something I, I look for. Um, it's kind of, kind of strange, but yeah, yes, no question. I also, um, I also worry about my own mental health too. And just being able to, um, to stay, to stay balanced with it. And is that something that you obviously are aware of? And I think that's the first step. And as being aware, you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's trying to as best as I can. Um, and I, I admittedly have fallen in and out of good habits and bad habits throughout, throughout the years. But, um, yeah, trying to stay like, yeah, we got a Peloton here at the house now. It was probably our best purchase before before COVID hit. <laughs> that's been amazing, um, you know. And then uh, you know, reading books, um, talking to people like you. Uh, it's just, I mean, if I and and not only that, but potentially talking to, to to professionals about just how I'm feeling too, so you can rationalize and really understand deep down what's what's happening instead of just self, you know, self uh, identifying it. Um, I think that's all important. Yeah. Join the club in terms of like in and out of good and bad habits and then being aware and being able to pivot. So, um, (laughs) for me, COVID has been, for me, COVID has been good from a, from a, a habit perspective with our jobs, typically on the road, driving face to face meetings, whether it be hotels, you name it time away from the family. I love it. I embrace it. That's, that's the path that I've chosen. I don't think I would have chosen a different path, but being at home, like it's given me like the consistency of stability of like, I know I can run every single morning because now my office is in my house downstairs, as opposed to getting in the car and driving a few hours. And I mean, quite frankly, it's allowed me to get my mental and physical aspect probably in a better place than I've ever been in my whole life because of being in quarantine. And I know that's not the same for everybody, but again, taking advantage of the situation, like my eating has been better. I'm not on the road, you know, being tempted with a Whopper with cheese or yeah. you know, something of that nature where I'm eating better. I'm consistent on my habits. And quite frankly, I'm excited for it to break so I can test myself in the wild again. Can I keep this good eating habits when I'm on the road? Will I make sure I get up early and run and, and give myself that next challenge now that, I'm, now that I'm on this positive path? Do you feel, um, I, I concur with that hundred percent. I've lost like 15 pounds, just not doing, nice, man. like I haven't changed anything other than not eating like crap on the road and potentially getting some more consistent workouts in. Right. It's like, it's kind of strange, but, um, I'm wondering like, do you, do you feel guilt for the um, 
the opportunity that you had, like what, what work and like the fact that you're in a good, I'm assuming a, a strong financial position right now. And then the, the majority of people that are just struggling and the you know employment rate and just people really trying to figure out what next month or next, you know, the, the end of the year is going to be. I'm, Cause I, I fight that. I'm just wondering if you feel the same sometimes. Yeah. So I you probably sense some hesitation for me even saying like COVID has been awesome for me um, because of knowing that it's not that for everybody else. So Yes, there's there's empathy, like understanding what else is going on in the world. I, I'll be very honest, though. Like, I also have to like understand, like, what can I can control? What I can control with the everything going on, the the politics, etc. When my wife was on maternity leave, the TV was always on, and I freaking hate the news. Like, plain and simple, I I a don't believe everything they're saying. There's always a tilt to it but there's nothing positive that comes out of it. And that's what was actually one of the core pillars of why I started this is create a platform for people to share positivity because it's not enough of it out there. So my long answer of it was like the news was on be all of this was being thrown at us from there. And I sensed my wife and myself almost depression is not the right word, but sinking into like, Oh, Oh my God. Like what is going on in the world of like yes. fear, uncertainty and doubt and when we turn that off and we focused on what's in our four walls and what we can control and, and nurturing our children, taking care, like we, we are fortunate. We still have jobs through this. We still need to perform to make sure we keep our jobs, obviously. But as we're going through that, like that's what we can control. And then if we maintain our jobs, can I maintain my bigger purpose of also giving back and being part of nonprofits? And for me, I focus on maybe not homelessness and things of that nature or poverty, but I focus on people going through cancer treatments with the 24 foundation. And that's where my efforts are focused from a nonprofit standpoint. So I can control what I can control, take care of myself and my family where we are. And the only way we can impact the world in a better way is making sure that we're focusing on ourselves to then be able to allow our cup to spill over and help other people. And I think that's, that's where my mind is, but yes, I, I 100% have empathy in, but at the same time, I'm not ashamed for being in the position that I am. And that's also taken me a long time. I, I, I usually put other people before myself. So a lot of what I'm saying, maybe three, four years ago, my answer, I, I would probably be more, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It would be different. Um, yeah. you, you appreciate the work that you put in, but are obviously cognizant of others. And the, the, the more you invest in yourself and your success, the more you can help others too. So that's, yeah. that's huge. I agree. That's so, how I well. It is. I mean, it, it, and it's crazy. Like some businesses are, it's the adversity thing. There are some businesses that are showing up on the stock market and they're reinventing themselves and they're doing things new and different because of the opportunity that has presented itself, which is COVID. You know, look at zoom taking off like crazy, the way things are evolving and adapting. So like, man, it's, it's just crazy. The opportunity that is still there in this scenario, but it's also hard to like 
maybe not everybody has access to that. So I'm also super cognizant of that. And um, again, I'm, I, I focus on myself and, and what we can do in this scenario. And, um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's a weird time. It is. I, I think back like years ago, I remember having a conversation with my brother and he was talking about how there's just, you know, he was looking for work and um, he already had, he had a job. He was working at like a you know, honeydew donuts or something like that, but he, he was looking for something else. And he was like, Oh, there's no jobs out there. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was like across the street, uh, there's a McDonald's that says that we're hiring. I was like, and I'm, and I'm not, yes, it's not the job that he's looking for, but you, but the things are, the, the jobs are out there if you're looking right. And it could, it doesn't have to be McDonald's. You could figure out what you're looking for, what, what your values are and what you want to do. You either go get the job or you go get the skills that you need for that job or the relationships you need for that job. Like go get it. Right. And it's sometimes it doesn't click. So um, hopefully, hopefully some people out there who have been struggling can, start to connect those dots a bit. Like when you say that, like, I agree. And that's one of the things I've had talks with some younger, you know, I do some mentor programs and sometimes people aren't excited to be in the job that they are in and they feel like I want to be in X role. And I, I will continue to focus like where you're planted blossom. And if you're the best at what you do now, because no matter where you go, there you are. So if you're just, it's kind of like your dad, the, oh, I just want a hundred thousand. There's always going to be something else like, Hey, I just want to be in this role. Well, if you get in this role there, wherever you go, there you are. Like you didn't take the time to focus on yourself and be good at what you're doing currently. You're not going to be successful just because you moved and did something different. Right. Like you're still the same person. So if you're, you're bringing problems and not solutions and you're, you're not taking ownership or you're not investing in yourself, you go to the next role, like maybe it's a better opportunity here, but are you prepared for that opportunity? So I always continue to push and hammers like, I mean, and I say this as somebody who's gone through that. Like I started my career in real estate, got, I'm going to call it lucky, um, did, did really well right out of school. I then left that because what I saw for my, my future went to a job making peanuts of money. Um, was living on a, a mattress just on a, on a hardwood floor with paper plates. It, and I took a job selling penis pumps, man. Like, so like I wanted to get in the medical field. It was an entry level job. I had some sales experience. It was a job that most people didn't want because of exactly that. But like, I knew if I, I took away the objection of you don't have experience. Well, cool. I'll go do the job that no one else wants and I'm going to go do it really well and I'm going to put my heart and soul into it. And that will, we'll see where that takes me because no matter where you go, there you are. Yep. Um, no question about it. So I know we're, we're kind of here. want to be like respectful of time. Anything, you know, that you didn't have a chance. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll ask like my final question. Then I'll give you an, an open opportunity. If there's something you'd like to, to talk about that we didn't get a chance to uncover today. So Final question that I like to ask every guest that comes on to my average greatness is if something were to happen to you, what message would you like to leave for your kids, your family, or the world? I would say that um, expect things to not go as planned. 
to not over plan and to um, to understand that the lack of plan or when the plan goes awry that there is there's opportunity in that that sometimes it's a it's a door that you didn't know it was potentially going to be open that's opening for you and be open-minded to those sorts of opportunities because sometimes there's something and I'm, I'm not religious, but there's something that's telling you there's another, another opportunity that's, that's awaiting. So um, I, I, th- I think that's, that's the key. It's just like, just, I can't even imagine, I can't even articulate the, the, I never thought that I was going to be in this spot 15 years ago. Seriously. You know? Right. Like, there's no, and, and there's been like four or five different variations that you're just like, Whoa. Um, so that's, that's the message that I would, that I would tell, tell anybody that's in my life. It's just be, be open to change, be open to, to things not going your way and that there's something good on the horizon. If you are open-minded to it. Hi, I'm not so great. So very well said and, and obviously very, very thoughtful. So I want to want to give the the open floor, but maybe before I do that, maybe I can edit this back in as, you know, I'd love, you know, if you're open to talking about your dad, I know that was a big part of your life with the foundation and the, the chair, um, not the golf tournament, but the, um, what is it? The scholarship fund. Yeah. Uh, if that's something you want to talk about, I can kind of splice that in at another point. I know I didn't get a chance to talk about that, but I want to be respectful of your time. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about, um, him a bit. So, uh, yeah. So my dad was probably my best friend. Um, Lost if I do a quick eight. lead in so that way I can splice yeah. it because I'm not that good at editing. <laughs> yeah, go All right. So Nick, you, you'd mentioned your father. Um, I know that he, he passed, I think you said 2009. You've started the Gary Donato, Donato Memorial Scholarship Fund. You've got golf tournaments and things of that nature in his name. There was, I believe, something with a baseball field locally in the town that you've been a part of. Tell, tell us, tell your children about their grandfather. Love to hear, you know, his impact on your life and him as a man. Yeah. So, um, uh, my dad, Gary DiNardo, um, you know, my, my best friend, I would say, um, just, just full of life, um, impacted so many people. Um, people love being around him. Um, great athlete, uh, in North Attleboro was a coach, was a teacher, um, you know, my, my grandfather came, uh, came here from, from the Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania area. And we ended up settling here after, uh, he spent his, uh, his career in the military and, um, the, just the impact that he made on me and, and others, we wanted to carry it on and make sure that, uh, that we, uh, we gave back to, to the town that meant so much to, to us. So, um, so we started the fund, my, my uncle and I, and we, we started with the, the tournament. We were able to kind of get people, um, back together for this, this tournament that were in my dad's life and my life, my uncle's life, everybody. Um, and we give away two to three scholarships per year to graduating uh, North Edward high school seniors to, to continue their education, whatever form that takes. Um, we've done that. We just gave away our 12th set of 11th or 12th set of scholarships. So we've given away over 65 grand in scholarships now. And, um, we do some other, other, uh, fundraisers, 
but um, but this year was really special because we got to uh, renovate the the high school baseball field, which as you know had just been crap for a lot of years, and we were able to um, you know spend over thirty thirty five grand get this done, and now it's the Gary Donar Memorial Baseball Field, which is just kind of like the physical um, physical uh, monument of of the work we've done and and the person that he was in the town. So um, you know we're excited to to continue to continue having it go. And, um, it's great to kind of, uh, cheers, cheers him every year and have some cigars and, and drinks, um, and laughs during the, uh, the tournament every year. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I'll have to make it up one year for, for the golf tournament. Yeah, I'll dig, to. dig some good divots and love to, love to be <laughs> physically there for it. Um, but I did notice on the, the baseball field, your, your dad's nickname, was it the bull? And the, yeah. that's why you guys named it the bullpen. Yeah, the bull. Yeah, so it's uh, that was his nickname when he was playing uh, football and baseball. So he's a he's a really good baseball football player, and um, he was built like me, but a much better athlete. So he's much faster. Um, so they called him the bull uh, for his kind of tenacity and his uh, and his athleticism. So uh, we we were we were excited. So we called the 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 football the baseball field the bull, and it was pretty cool. The um, the baseball team and the uh, the head coach there took a picture in front of the the bull sign, and they're all excited about about having the field, and they're calling it the bull. So that's pretty cool. I'm I'm excited to see that you know uh, kids playing on the field here for the next hopefully 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And you talked about caring about others and making sure other people are okay, and that's something you learned from your dad and the, the kids that get to enjoy that field and the scholarships, and you're doing that, and God knows how many people that those children and kids and now men will, will touch in their lives. So um, us as a community, we, we thank you, man. Um, before we wrap up today's episode, anything that you didn't get a chance to talk about today, the, the mic is yours. No, just a thank you to you for having this forum to, to get in the quality of guests that you're having on and just the, um, the purpose of this, of this thing. We need more of it. Um, and, uh, like you said, I mean, we just don't, the, the traditional, the traditional content that we get in the world is, uh, is not enough of this. So I just appreciate you having me on and listening to my story and asking some great questions here and excited to see where this, this podcast goes, man, over the next couple of years. All right. Well, in honor, the way that we wrap up every episode is in honor of my friend, Mikey, we love you. You've been listening to My Average Greatness, a show highlighting interviews with average people doing great things from every walk of life. We hope you found encouragement and most of all, inspiration. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, keep up with us on Instagram at My Average Greatness. Make sure to leave us a comment and don't forget to follow and share the podcast. You were not born to be average. You were born to be great. And maybe you'll be our next interview. Till next time.